I've never performed that role. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand spanking new episode of Opera After Dark. Shazam! <laughs> Whammy! <laughs> um, so we've had a little bit of wine, but we are drinking beer and cider right now. Yeah, provided by cider. Trader Joe. So, just in case anybody's curious, shameless plug. Elspeth has a vendetta against beer. Mm-hmm. I just don't like so it. We, if no anyone is listening ever. to this and they want to send beer that they think that I will like, please do so. Now you're just wanting free booze. I do want free booze. <laughs> well, in any case, today at some point, we will be discussing operas that we love. Yes. Right. This which is... will be kind of random, probably. <laughs> Actually, well, well, no, not mine, but in any case. Mine's not so random. Um, so what we're going to do today is we've each pick uh, one opera. Mm-hmm. That we just absolutely love, so we're just going to go around and talk a little bit as to why, and hopefully, maybe you will hear something about an opera that you don't know, and it'll make you want to listen to it, and you'll discover a whole new, beautiful piece of work that you never knew existed. Yeah, or you'll, like, know it, and maybe you didn't give it the time of day that you... Was these were these supposed to be obscure operas? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. Or maybe you'll hear us talk about our favorites, and you'll think, "Yes, I'm I'm on Naomi's team, or I'm on Kyle's team, or I'm on Elspeth's well, you, team." You don't have to make it a competitive. It's thing. not competitive. No, no. It's just you know, if you bump into us somewhere <laughs> out in the world, you can be like, "I like that opera too." I just want to say that we are a little scattered right now. Not only are we drunk, but we just ate a bunch of dark chocolate with espresso in it, and it is laced with the stubs, so we're both drunk and hyper at the same time. So awesome. I apologize in advance. But, Kyle. No, 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 I'm not starting. <laughs> <laughs> Naomi. Why do I have to start? Elspeth, what opera do you love? My favorite opera that I love, um, it's a toss-up between two, and I'm going to go with one right now, because that's my mood. Are we allowed um, to guess it? Yes, of course, please guess. It's French, I'll give you that as a clue. Oh. Oh, well, I'm going to... Can I ask clues, or do I just have to, like, pick one? Whatever you want, man. Do you have just a, an outright guess? I have an outright guess. Go for it. Is it Verter? Oh, no, it's not. But that's a good guess, right? That's a great guess. You is guys, it... if you don't know Verter, listen to it, because it is the tits. It's great. Is Verter? <laughs> it's the tits. It's the tits. <laughs> that should be the ad campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is it is this a mainstream like people generally have heard of it? You have definitely heard of it. Is it Manon? No. Oh, you, do you hate that? No. Stupid. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna guess it. Why don't you? It's Cendrillon. Oh, you know what? I should have known that. You should have known I that. I think I've heard you mm-hmm. say that you love it. So Cendrillon is Jules Massenet's version of Cinderella, and it is ridiculous and charming and the music is beautiful it's a cast that is all women save one character pendolph who is cinderella's father um 
Wait, so the prince is sung by a woman as well? The prince is sung by a woman as well. The prince is sung by what was known back then in the 19th century as a falcon, which is named after a specific singer whose name I do not know. Um, but she is what we would call today like a Svishenfaken. She was a mezzo who uh, also sang soprano roles and sort of vice versa. Hmm. But the reason that um, Prince Charming, or as I say in French, Le Prince Charmant, <laughs> um, the reason nice, he's sung nice by... Nice and bougie. Yeah, mm-hmm. bougie. Uh, the reason he's sung by a woman is that they really wanted to sort of create this feeling that they were sort of... Um, it was less of a, a sexual thing and more of a they were like souls meeting and connecting. I think he described it as like children finding each other in the woods kind of thing. Mm. So it's mm. this very dreamy, sort of uh, beautiful piece of music, and I love it. Do we um, know why uh, Massinet decided to have it be all women? Are there any other like gender bending, gender bender roles? No, I mean, you've got uh, Sondrion, the stepmother, the two stepsisters, the fairy godmother, her like click of six fairies, uh-huh. um, and then Cinderella's dad. I guess if you look at the fairy tale, um, most of the characters are women. Mm-hmm. I mean, the king is in it for like a hot second, and he is played by a dude. But Yeah. Okay, so then why, do we know why he dis- Massinet decided that the prince should be a woman? Like, did he ever um, write about it? or? He didn't. I think it was super trendy at the time, and also he wanted the characters to be portrayed as pretty young. And that mm. was sort of the choice back then. Is that, oh, um, so like a young man. A young man is usually by played yeah. by a mezzo. I saw it once where it was um, Prince Charming was sung by a tenor, and it sucks. Yeah. Oh. It well, those, sucks. like the duet, they have multiple duets, right? They have two big duets, yeah. and they're glorious. But the thing is, it's written for a woman, so the tessitura is very different, and it's, yeah. it doesn't sound good if a man sings it. It sounds, from what I've heard of those duets, the having two female voices that sort of you know sound palette sounds really great with how it's written. It's beautiful. The only actual recording of Cendrillon is um, one done by Frederica von Stade singing Cendrillon and Nicolai Gaeta actually singing uh, Prince Charming. Oh. He's the only tenor I've ever heard that like can sing it no problem. But he had uh-huh. this crazy amazing voice because by all accounts he's like a horrific alcoholic and was like drunk constantly, but yes. you know, sings like a god, you know? That's, that's is, that gonna, is that gonna be another episode or is that too, I feel like is that's, it too soon? I feel like that's weird. Oh, okay. Is he alive? He is n- not no. from what I know. Uh-huh. And and also just, like, like his vodka though. His back. career hmm. like really he was so amazing and like his recordings are just beyond, but I've been told that from people who are like active at the same time as him that he just drank literally constantly and it kind of drove his career into the ground because it got mm. to a point where he couldn't, he couldn't control it anymore. and function yeah. properly and which is sad because his voice is so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, should we listen to a recording, whether it's that one or maybe we, we should listen to it with the women, two women. Yeah. Sure, there's... um. Oh, you said there's only a couple available. Well, there's only the one recording. There is a video on YouTube, which we can pull from. It's Joyce DiDonato and Alice Coote. Oh. Um, Divine. Divine. I love Alice Coote so, and Joyce DiDonato. Why don't we listen to a little bit of the Act 3 duet? Let's do the very end so you can hear the fairy godmother at the end. Uh, crazy color Torah. Totally beautiful. So let's take a listen to that this, right now. This is from when they those two did it in Santa Fe. Uh, Covent Garden. Oh, 
Okay. I think that same production also went to Santa Fe. Fantastic. Well, let's yeah. take a listen. Absolutely beautiful music. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. And a great pairing of voices. Oh, yeah. And the whole thing is like that, and I think it's just a piece that should be done more, maybe especially at schools because there's so many opportunities for women to sing in it, and it's not, you know, Swarangelica, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I just think that it's beautiful. Um, I want to listen to one more thing for everybody. It's the duet between Cendrillon and her father, Pendolf. Um, it's this beautiful, amazing duet. It's right after he's finally realized that this woman he married is treating his only child like dirt, you know, which took him way too long to figure out because she's like a maid in their house, but whatever. Um, and he finally runs them off and is like, we're going to go to the country and 
we're going to live happily together for the rest of our lives. Yay. Which she's like, great, that's awesome. And then she runs off into the woods. <laughs> mm. All right. Before Excellent. we listen, quick question for you. Yes. Have you ever sung anything from Cendrillon? I have sung stuff from Cendrillon. Um, I've sung The Evil Stepmother. Nice. And I have the sung whole role? The whole role. Wow. Um, and I have sung Le Prince of Charmant. Wow. That's great. So now a recording of Elspeth Davis. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> does that exist? Nope. Are you lying? That no, I'm shame. not lying. It does not exist. Oh, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. Somebody with money uh, commission a production of Cendrillon so that we can cast Elspeth so that we can record her. <laughs> I love <laughs> For the sole purpose. Of including it in this episode. Of including it in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Oh man, I love how we're always commissioning and or putting out requests for. Yes, right. All Nothing's of these happened yet, things. but I think you just keep throwing things at a wall, and something's going to stick eventually. <laughs> <laughs> or you just get tired and go home. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so this is the Pandolf Cendrillon duet. I think that's also from Act Three. <laughs> So 
that's mine. I think it's slightly more traditional than everybody thought I was going to be leaning. But uh, who's next? Well, I have Kyle. something to ad admit just because yep. I feel like it'll be weird now if I say it later. So as listeners might be able to guess, because this episode is operas that we love, mm -hmm. eventually there likely next week there will be an episode that's operas that we hate. Yep, I'm actually looking forward to that one a little bit more, but <laughs> go on. Well, as a sneak peek, I won't talk about it now, but because you mentioned it, my opera that I hate is Swore Angelica. <laughs> <laughs> I was I don't know if you made if you said, I like made a face when you You did make a face. <laughs> when you said it because I I didn't know if I should keep it as a secret, but No, it's okay. In any case. I I'll, mean, I don't disagree with you. I'll, oh my gosh. I'll elaborate. We'll we'll save it. Save I'll elaborate the details later. for next week. Yeah, but everybody sneak peek in case you just Kyle hates <laughs> Swore Angelica. If you hate it too, then just Get excited. <laughs> so, hear about it. Why? so what is this opera that you love so much? Do you want to guess? I bet you guys will guess it. Super traditional? Yeah, very predictable for me. What language? Do, do you just want to guess beforehand? Naomi's going to get it. I don't know. L'Elysia d'Amore. That is my favorite I opera. I knew it. Aww. I knew it. It's my favorite opera. Aww. I like I just opera a enjoy lot. it. It's a great opera. I think it also, for me, just has a special spot because it was like the first opera I was ever in. Mm. Were you in the Marino? No, actually, I was in the chorus. So, oh. yeah. But oh. I would love to be. I've never. You would be never a great in the Marino. Sing some for him. No, I shan't. Ooh, nah, 14. I know. <laughs> so, it's, it's a wonderful opera, uh, L'Elysia d'Amore by Donizetti. Mm -hmm. If anybody doesn't know it, why don't you give super well, yeah, brief so that's, plot synopsis? Well, the reasons that I like it is that it's just like. It's one of your basic, like, very tangible operas, mm -hmm. but it's not in, like, the first ABC level. So it's not like Aida, Bohem, and Carmen. So mm -hmm. something that's easy to get a hold of, but isn't just mm -hmm. one that everybody knows. Uh, and it's just a fun, lighthearted opera. It's not too serious. And you, when you go and see it, it's... it's just very light pretty much all the way through. Basically, it's about uh, there's this woman and she's like a, not like a farm owner, but she's like the she's lady. She's a landowner. Yeah, like. She's badass lady for of, that time. She's like of, the only one in the town that reads. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> the lady of the, the land, Adina. Right. And mm -hmm. then there's this guy, Nemorino, who's like a poor, not very smart townsperson that just loves her but can never get up the courage to tell her that. Well, I guess he does tell her that, and she's like, no, no, you don't want any of this. And then the sergeant comes into town, tries to woo Adina, mm -hmm. and so Nemorino takes a magical elixir, which is really just a bottle of wine. It's the most magical of elixirs. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. It's for us, it, it works a lot of magic. Mm -hmm. It does. So there's this traveling salesman that gives him this elixir with air, co air quotes. And actually, it ends up helping him end up with Adina, but not in the way that he thinks is going to happen. It's one of those ones where there's like little things that happen, like the perfect comedic timing and like yes. the perfect everything happens in just the right way. Keep going. I'm going to go good. get more drink. She's going to go get more magical elixir. It's not magical. It's cider. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the music for this is pretty traditional bel canto, mm -hmm. but it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of boom, chick, chick, boom, chick, chicks. There's some great 
arias and, du and duets. It's uh, most one of the greatest tenor arias of all time exactly. is in this opera, it's, Una Fortiva Lagrima. Yes, and that's what it's most well known for. Mm -hmm. um, and we should listen to some of it. We should definitely listen to some of it. It comes in a part in the opera, well, towards the end of the mm -hmm. opera, where basically Una Fortiva Lagrima means a furtive tear. Mm -hmm. And so Nemorino has just seen Adina shed like a single tear uh, because all of these other women were like fawning after him. Mm -hmm. And so now he knows that she loves him yeah. and now he can go, go off into the army and die because at least. <laughs> die a happy man. Because <laughs> he knows the woman he loves loves him too. Yes. Yes. The I'm logic. A, I'm a simple man and I like simple opera. That's beautiful, like this. So let's take a listen to Una Furtiva Lagrima. Who would you like Lagrima. to listen to? Oh, gosh. I always like listening to... Let me guess. Matthew Polanzani. I was going to say Pavarotti, but... I think you should do Pavarotti. Yeah, Pavarotti's a classic. Yeah, All right. but Polanzani's also great. So yes. I'm sure Grigolo that's... also sings this really well. Yes. Grigolo, apparently, oh. yes, pronounced. Myself. I saw him do it last year, and... He just was so much fun to watch. He milks he, it. We, yeah, because he milks everything. But yeah. he just generally has a lot of energy. Yeah. You know, yes. so he's like all over the place, which for a Nemorino hmm. really It can work really, really well. Yeah. yeah. When I saw this, I can't remember who was playing. Um, who is the quack doctor? What's his Ducamara. name? Ducamara. Ducamara. I can't remember who it was, but like he honestly looked like Johnny Depp from Pirates of the Caribbean, and he was, was moving and walking Erwin, like him too. Like, oh, really? So, Erwin <laughs> I can't remember. It might have been, but I thought to myself, this Dulcamara is literally Johnny Depp in operatic form. So. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a doppelgangers episode. We should. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer looks like Beethoven. Just saying. Does he? Totally. Huh. Kind of. I didn't know that. At the right angle. Mm. What's the one? There's that one picture of Rossini where he looks a lot like John Goodman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like old Rossini. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah also, yeah. Kyle here looks like young Mascagni. Yeah. He does. Oh, you do. Yes. So weird. Should we link that on the blog? Definitely. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. In the meantime, let's listen to some Pavarotti singing Una, the crap out of it. Una Fortiva.
beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, really beautiful stuff. Also, in in this opera, I really enjoy the chorus music. Super like, it's fun. just fun. Like, there's a yeah. lot of, like, dancey type stuff. Mm-hmm. And the um, scene with Memorino and all the women is always so cute. Yes. It's really cute. Yeah. That's a yeah. lot of fun. And it's one of these ones where, I don't know, I just, the roles are pretty equal, you know, mm-hmm. between, I mean, your two stars are Nemorino and Adina, but then the role of Belcore is a pretty full role. Yeah. And it's kind of like, there's great music there that's mm-hmm. really enjoyable. And then Dulcamara is also, that one, it's I'd, probably more important to have a really good actor for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's not forget Janetta. I know. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I was Janetta so, once. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's not forget her. It's so funny that that's, like, it's its own role. But it's right. such Named a, chorus a, roles. Yes, yeah, such character. a tiny, tiny role. Yeah. But she totally rocks it in that the scene in that with the ladies. Scene, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Kills it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe if we're going to do a, sec- a second clip. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think I would want to do one of the, like, on well, like, quartets where everybody's coming in. I think this is towards the end of Act 1. Mm-hmm. This okay. is basically, I think Adina has said that she would marry Belcore, the sergeant. Okay. And Nemorino's like, no, you can't do this. Um, right. Oh, and I'm then, so sad. Yeah. Oh, that's my, one of my favorite parts in the whole thing. Exactly. Is when the whole orchestra drops out and Nemorino's like, Adina, no, wait, two more days or yeah. something like oh, that. Oh, Adina, credi me yeah. is that one. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. really, okay, well, we'll do a portion of these. Maybe we'll splice together so sure, we can hear yeah. different bits. But yeah. I love that part because there's a beautiful tenor aria, yes. or a little arietta, a mm-hmm. little tiny part. But it's and even then, before the arietta where he he just has this moment where it's like raw Nemorino. Yeah. And he like calls out to her and everything else drops out. And then it la- leads into the aria. Yeah. So and, I'll find it. And then there's the great bit from Belcore where he's calling him a, Buffone and yes. Babuino. <laughs> Babuino. <laughs> I really gotta say that. I saw Marius Kavichin sing Belcore. Oh, uh, yeah. And what was he I, great? He was so good. And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, you know, this makes a lot of sense that Nemorino would be so desperate and afraid that he was gonna lose Adina because, like, when Belcore is super sexy, yes. like, mm. he's a threat, right? Yeah. As opposed to believable. some productions in the past have cast Belcore as this old bumbling buffoon type sergeant who's just kind of pompous and full of himself mm-hmm. but Kavichin really plays it sexy overconfident yeah arrogant mm-hmm. but he like can kind of back it up a little bit uh, yeah, yeah. And he like really turns on the heat with whoever he's singing with and so yeah well here here's a spattering of clips from the yes, end of from the act one finale the end of act one of L'Elysia d'Amore <laughs> Aspetta ancora 
right. So <laughs> beautiful music in Elixir. Gorgeous music in Elixir. Great Na- story. Lots of fun. Naomi. It's your turn. What opera do you love? I'm going to let you guys guess because I had the problem of five to seven operas came to mind that are within my top ten favorites. But I do have one that is, you know, will never be erased in my heart. Is it Mozart? Of course. It's Don Giovanni. Don... No. Oh. Figaro. <laughs> <laughs> Great save there, Elspeth. Is it? Is it? Yes. Yeah, Roger Figaro? Figaro. Yes. La Nozze di Figaro. La Nozze di Figaro. Le Mariage oh, di Figaro. I wish you would have said Don Giovanni because then we could have really... Gone at it? Because you hate it. that opera. I don't hate that opera. I hate certain characters of that opera. Save it for the next episode. Well, that's not the opera that I hate. I can't say that I hate that opera because there's some really great stuff about it, like that scene with the commendatore. I will admit admit that Don Giovanni is also quite high up there for me. Don Giovanni. But I think that it, as an opera, is tighter knit than Figaro, and so the pacing's a little bit better. It's not as long as Figaro, and so sometimes you... But you like Figaro more. But I love Figaro more because I just feel like the story and the music, certain musical things in it, just touch me a lot more than... Mm. Like what? Okay, so for those of you who have never seen The Nazi de Figaro, Mm -hmm. For some people, when they first see it, it's a little overwhelming because it seems like there's like a thousand characters. And, and it is long. It is long. And it's one of those stories that relies on a lot of situational comedy. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's mistaken identity in it. There's like people behind, hiding behind chairs and like locked in closets and, mm-hmm. you know, then jumping out windows and being replaced by somebody else. So there is a little bit of like comedic convolutedness. Women playing boys dresses women. Right. Like a, <laughs> Mozart deliberately wrote a pants roll of an adolescent boy to be sung by a woman and the character in the opera ends up getting dressed up as a woman. Like the boy character gets dressed up as a woman. So so. In, in drag and drag. Yes. Mm-hmm. So like things like that make me just love this opera more because mm-hmm. there's so much depth to it. But I think musically there's just scenes that have captured my heart every time I see them. And of course... The scene that every single time it comes up, no matter what production it is or what I'm listening to. Can I guess? Yes. It's the end when yeah. the count goes, I'm an asshole, you shouldn't forgive me, suspension. Me. She shouldn't, he's a dick. Go on. <laughs> so. Cheater. Use a cheat. He is a cheat. And it just Constant like, cheat. Constant cheat. But the music is so beautiful. I know it's and so beautiful. The first time I ever saw this opera. So She's another reason why I love this opera is it was one of the first operas I saw from start to finish, like all the way through. And so by the time it got to that scene, when he like opened his mouth and started singing, I just like burst out crying because I was yeah. like, Oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. But the the music is gorgeous. In that moment, if you don't really know much else about the Beaumarchais trilogy or what's happening to these people after that moment, right. then you 100% <laughs> mm-hmm. believe it, that he's remorseful and wants her forgiveness. And like the fact that she basically says, I'm a better person than you, so I'm going to forgive you, mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. I Now, I can't watch The Barber of Seville I mean, even though it's obviously different composers Mm -hmm. and even different voice types for the various roles in Mm -hmm. certain cases. But now, now, like, at the end of Barber of Seville, I'm like, well, that's 
not gonna end well. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. I can't distinguish them, even though they're just different things. Do you know what happens things. in the third one? I don't. Oh. We should save that for its own episode. We should. But let's just say that the countess gets pregnant with someone else's baby. Oh. Yeah. Wow. However, before any of that happens, the Count sings the most beautiful thing to get her to forgive him. Let's listen to it. Let's listen to it. This is the scene before the final, like, hurrah, let's party mm-hmm. finale of Nanatsu di Fibro. <laughs> Marriage of Figaro is actually the first opera that I ever saw in its entirety. Really? It was a PBS. I want to remember this so well. I was in a hotel room with my family and we were coming back from vacation. I must have been 10 or 11. Wow. And PBS was broadcasting that Jonathan Miller production of Marriage of Figaro at the Met with Renee Fleming, Bryn Terfel as Figaro, Cecilia Bartoli as Susanna, uh, Suzanne Menser as um, Carabino, and cannot remember Dwayne Croft is the count and I just remember like being totally memorized mesmerized for like all four hours and thinking it was the most amazing thing that I've ever seen in my entire life wow yeah, yeah. 
That's fantastic. That's a really nice story. I the production that I saw was also like it was a DVD production and or a DVD that we were watching, mm-hmm. and it was the Glyndebourne production. Renee Fleming singing the Countess, um, Gerald Finley singing Figaro. And the Susanna was so good. What was her name? Susan something. Um, anyway, she was fantastic. And watching it from start to finish without any breaks was what did me in at the end. I feel yeah. like there are so many little earworms in mm-hmm. the opera, too. Yes. That, like, it's like every other bit just gets stuck in your head. Mm-hmm. Like, Boy Que Sapete. Boy Que Sapete. The Overture. Amazing. Mm-hmm. The overture, amazing. All just right in your head. You'll never stop humming them. Also, well, I love that scene where Susanna and the Countess end up switching clothes basically disguising themselves as each other in order to catch the count red-handed because the count essentially through the whole opera is trying to sleep with Susanna Mm -hmm. his wife's maid Mm -hmm. right and so but his wife's maid Susanna is really good friends with his wife and so they concoct this plan I've seen Downton Abbey right (laughs) (laughs) yes they concoct this plan to switch places knowing that the count won't really notice and then his wife will be able to walk in on him attempt, or his wife will actually be the person that he's like attempting to cheat on his wife with, right? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So, totally. Because they've swapped places. But anyway, so there's this point where Susanna is dressed up as the countess, ready to um, like pres- assume the role of mm-hmm. the countess. And then her husband, they've only been married for like all of five minutes comes onto the scene and he realizes that Susanna is dressed up like the Countess. And so he says, ha, I'm gonna play a trick on her and pretend that I'm flirting with the Countess just to like tick her off, Mm -hmm. right? And so then he does this. She of course freaks out and she starts like hitting him. being like, you you idiot, like how could you do this? Like we're just married. And then then he has this moment where he says, pace, pace, like peace, peace. I Mm -hmm. recognized you, I recognized your voice. And then she's like, really? my voice you recognize my voice and it's so like the music's just so pretty in that moment So, if we're um, thinking of them as characters from Downton Abbey, the Count and Countess would be Lord and Lady Grantham, and Figaro would be Bates, Mr. Bates. Yes. And Anna? Would Anna be Susanna? Well, yeah. Well, she would well have she's to be. Mary's maid. Yeah, but I mean the same Whatever. type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean O'Brien. <laughs> oh, yeah. O'Brien. <laughs> nobody likes O'Brien, so she's she's Anna. Yeah. Bless her heart. So wait a minute. Who would who's our Carabino equivalent? 
Like one of the guys. Oh gosh, what are Tom. their names? They all look the same. <laughs> no, the it's one. It's all like generic one that, British white man in his twenties. I don't the know what their that names Daisy are. Daisy has a crush on, or does he die? Sorry, or no, the, 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 the one redhead, that, or the one that has a crush on Daisy that then goes to like cooking school or something like that. Doesn't he die in the war? No, no, that's before. No, the, that's no, the guy no. she married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name either. Sorry to anybody who's not seen Downton Abbey. I bet this is a really boring yeah. conversation. No, for then you. like the next one that replaced the one that she married. <laughs> they all look the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, a you know, footman, a footman, basically. Generic British white man at. is Carabino. Yeah. Carabino, <laughs> played by a woman. I'm whatever. Even if it's a really beautiful woman. Okay, so <laughs> we, before we end our discussion of Figaro, for Kyle, we'll play Isabel Leonard singing something of Carabino's because his heart is ever true Thank to you. Isabel Leonard. She does a wonderful, wonderful voice up that day. No one is disagreeing with like, you. So good. Like, we should link to the video on the blog. Mm, I would okay. like that. Cause it's okay, Kyle. It's good. Whatever you want. And then we get to see her. Okay, whatever okay. you want. Dressed as a boy. <laughs> whatever you want, ma'am. Thank you. Whatever Welcome. floats your boat. Here we go. Carabino. Before we um, finish up this conversation, are there any operas that almost made it to the top spot for you guys, but just didn't quite? Oh yeah. I don't that know. We want to mention very briefly in passing to it's, recommend for me. It's, it just happens to be like whatever I've seen. The lately. latest thing that you've seen, so Romeo yeah. and Juliet. Actually, no. Well, that yes, that's the one that's <laughs> in my mind right now. I also love Tales of Hoffman. Yeah, oh, it's such great. a good. Love we're gonna do Tales a whole episode on that because there's so much you can talk there's about. There's so much to unwrap yeah. with the Tales of Hoffman, so we'll do its own, own its own episode. I really love that. I also really love. You guys aren't gonna be with me on this. I love Meister Singer. Uh, it's it's really long. It's like six hours worth of opera when you factor in intermissions, and so I'm surprised that I like it. But it's. Fantastic, and the music is beautiful. Gosh, I almost want to go like another round just so I can talk about Meistersinger. It's great. You need to listen to Walter's aria from from the end of it when he's I doing. I don't need okay, to. Okay, the Morgan lead. I will yes. give you the prize song. Oh, is the prize song so is beautiful. But you gotta wait six hours, like five and a half hours, to get to it. Yeah, Brent, what a great payoff. Don't go to the opera. Just go to like somewhere where like Bryn Terfel is singing it in concert. Ooh. No, no, no. It's a tenor. It's a tenor role. 
I don't know, because I don't like no, it. No, sorry, not Bryn Terfel. Ben Hepner. Oh, Ben yes. Hepner singing in concert. Yeah. But he won't, he's so retired now. Good. So. It's okay, there's recordings of there. Yeah. But um, so, Naomi, stop. <laughs> was there another opera that was on the shortlist for you? Was it Giovanni? It wasn't like Giovanni, six or seven. mainly mm. because I like limited, I decided to pick my favorite of all Mozart. Because okay. I love Giovanni, I love the magic flute, but um, I love Abduction from the Seraglio. But I would say that Marriage of Figaro is always and forever like my number one Mozart. Like how could you pick another Mozart opera if it's not even your favorite Mozart opera? It's like, <laughs> But there are other operas that I really love that I think are underrated sometimes. Mm-hmm. So... Hansel and Gretel. Oh, Hansel great. and Gretel is so amazing. I think People think it's a children's opera, right, but I think they it's... Right, change it, and it's yeah. incredible. The orchestration in Hansel and Gretel is just like, mm. In fact, so let's good. listen to the overture to Hansel and Gretel. Oh, yes, yes, yes. As like an exit for this piece. Okay. Yeah. Wait, oh, we'll do, do that. Do you want to say your other that you... Peleus and Melazon, WC. It's great. It's kind of boring, but it's really good. <laughs> I love oh, that gosh. endorsement. It's kind of boring, but it's really wow, good. So you know, it's like weird and esoteric. But I will also say that another one of mine was Rusalka. The score is amazing. It's in the same bucket as Hansel and Gretel for me, where I think oh. it's underrated as, you know, well, I find Rusalka extremely boring. The mm. last act goes on way too long, mm. but I think there are portions of it that are just sublime. So, so those are our recommendations. If you guys have favorites... Uh, tweet at us, message us on Facebook, yeah. leave us a, a review on iTunes. We love reading those as long as they're good. Um, also, Giulio Cesare. Oh, God. I know you don't like what? it, but Giulio Cesare is great. Look at the Glyborn production. It's great. Even I do like that one aria. Yeah. If we did a, uh, if we did a compositional period that you hate... <laughs> Oh, Baroque? Mine would be the whole Baroque. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it's always that one thing Bring from Jesus back. Christ Superstar. Um, we are Anyways, getting so off topic. Yeah, Sorry, wrapping it up, everyone. I'm Elspeth. I'm Kyle. I'm Naomi. Thanks for listening. And here is the overture to Hansel and Gretel. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Humperdinck.
that app on your phone the shazam app the most useless thing on the face of the planet no it's that one where you put it up you put like your phone up to whatever song is playing and it recognizes oh It'll shazam, tell you what it is. shazam. shazam? yeah 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 I, for some reason <laughs> i don't know I, I thought you meant just like an app that like had random they explanations just shazam, <laughs> shazam. <laughs> you're right i have yeah i am going on the record that shazam is the stupidest thing on the face of the planet do you really need to know that information? Well, sometimes it can be really gratifying. You know, yeah. like when you just, it's killing you that you can't remember the name of a song. I guess, but it just seems like such a dumb thing. I always confuse it, it with the Shaquille O'Neal feature <laughs> film, Kazam. <laughs> Where he's I a genie. That, is that Kazam? It's Kazam. No, I, th I think it's Shazam. No, I'm looking it up. It's Kazam. <laughs> excited to talk about authors that we hate. Oh, me too. I'm like so passionate about it. I have a like feeling we're going to get in a big feud, we you are. and I. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Ma. Think about humperdink, 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 humperdink. <laughs> I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. Do you know what that's from? No. Naomi, the Princess Bride. <laughs> oh, I do know that movie, but I don't remember that moment. All right, guys, we, we'll be back with you next week, and by we, I mean Elspeth and I. Because Naomi will be murdered. out watching the Princess murdered Bride or again. back in the hole that she came from. You know, <laughs> Canada. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, we have the Princess Bride in Canada. I, yeah, you, Canada's amazing. I'm not being sarcastic. Um, yeah, Chris Sarandon plays Prince Humperdinck. And then Billy Crystal yeah. plays the magician. Mir Miracle Max. Mm -hmm. Miracle Max. Right. And his wife comes out and she's like, liar. Oh, yeah. Oh, be quiet, which is like, I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. And then they get into but this huge fight. But after what you just said, I'm not sure I want to be that anymore. anymore. I could quote the it's whole. It's a true love, Max. <laughs> to blave. <gasps> to blave. Oh, yeah. and then the priest. Marriage. Yes. Marriage brings us here together. <laughs> Today, yeah. Love, so. true love. <laughs> uh, Alright. Sorry. S stop that quoting and I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs>